Well, good morning, everyone. Um, how are the preparations going? Are you the kind of person who's got everything bought and wrapped by the end of August? <laughs> or are you the other kind of person who's going to make a really serious start on it sometime tomorrow? There was um, a story of a woman who left sending out her Christmas cards until the very last moment before the last available post, which I think you've missed, by the way. It was, uh, I think, the 20th of December. Um, anyway, she rushed into the card shop and uh, bought uh, a pack of 50 identical cards, uh, quickly wrote out the envelopes, quickly signed inside, and popped them in the post. Uh, she... Uh, f- put 49 of them in the post, took one of them home, and then was horrified when her PowerPoint... Oh, yes. Was horrified when she looked inside the card to realise that what was written inside was... (laughs) (laughs) This is just to say, a gift is on the way. There were either 49 very disappointed people that Christmas, or she had a very expensive New Year. Now, all the way through what we call the Old Testament, the older part of the Bible, the part that was written before the coming of Jesus, God kept sending via his prophets uh, cards carrying that message. A gift is on the way. And uh, sure enough, the day came and the dawn broke and the gift arrived in the form of Jesus. Now, one of those cards, one of those messages saying a gift is on the way is found in the reading that Fran read to us from Isaiah chapter 7, where we have these words in in verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Now, I'm going to say little or nothing about what those words may have meant to the first hearers and readers of Isaiah's prophecy. I assume they had a meaning there and then. My best guess is the original meaning of these words applied to Isaiah's wife, and her child, who's, who was named Mahir Shalal Hashbash. And I'm only saying that because I love that name. I think it's the best name in the whole of the Old Testament. Mahir Shalal Hashbash. But this promised deliverer soon takes on, like a snowball, extra more and more weight as we go through the book of Isaiah. So by the time we reach chapter 9... We're reading of the same promised deliverer that he will be almighty God. He will be wonderful counselor. He'll be prince of peace. He'll be everlasting father. So like a snowball taking on more and more meaning as Isaiah goes through. So not surprising then that when we reach the New Testament and the promise of Jesus birth given to Mary and to Joseph, we're not surprised then to hear the angel say uh, uh, that uh, this is God's promised son, and for Matthew to comment that all this took place 
to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. And then quoting that very verse from Isaiah. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. And then Matthew helpfully translates that for us, which means God with us. Now I'd simply like to take that prophecy and its fulfillment and that name Emmanuel, which means God with us, and treated a bit like one of those Terry's chocolate odd oranges that you're hoping to get for Christmas. Tap it and see what segments it might fall into as we have a quick, a little tour of the New Testament to see what the New Testament says to expand and to expound this title that was given to Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. So first up, the uh, first uh, chapter, the glorious first chapter, the glorious prologue of John's gospel. The word became flesh. Well, John's gospel begins by saying, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So we have at the outset the deity, the godness of the word of God. But then by the time we reach verse 14, that word became flesh. That word took on our frail human nature. That, uh, that word took on flesh and bones and made his dwelling, set up his tent, as it were, among us. God in the flesh dwells among us. Emmanuel, God with us. Just think, it was as a human being that Jesus was born and brought up and killed and raised to life. It's as a human being that he now reigns. Somewhere, I don't know where, but somewhere a human being sits on the throne of the universe. And that human being is a risen and glorified Jesus Christ. And again, in his flesh, he will return to take his people with him. And they'll be raised too in his own incorruptible flesh. Visit number two. The letters of Paul to the Ephesians, where he says this, in Christ, you are being built together, you Christians, you who belong to Jesus Christ, are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So do you see the sense again there? God is with us among his people. It's often said by people uh, these days, um, I love Jesus, but I hate the church. Now, if by the church they mean the church as institutionally conceived, then I can understand that. But the church is not primarily an institution. It's a fellowship. It's a community. And it's not possible to love Jesus and hate his community. I've quoted it before, but I I love the quote, so I'll use it again. A quote from the late uh, Geoffrey Paul, where he says this. 
it is not possible to belong to Jesus Christ without also belonging to that ragbag of saints and fatheads <laughs> that make up the one holy and apostolic church. And it's true. It's not possible to belong to Christ without belonging to the community of Christ. As gathered in places like this, this morning, God is with us among his people. Now thirdly, our third segment. Would you help me, Barry, please? God is with us inseparably. We cannot be separated. Those who belong to God cannot and will not be separated from him. Paul says in that great eighth chapter of Romans, I am convinced that nothing, and he lists all the things that might conceivably separate God from his people. He says that nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Just think of that truth as well. A, uh, a granddad took his little granddaughter for a long walk in the countryside. They went through fields and through woods and over streams, this way and that way. And they came to a crossroads in the paths. And the granddad said to the granddaughter, uh, do you know where we go next? And she said, no. Um, do you know where we are? She said, no. Do you know how to get back to the car? She said, no, I don't. She said, do you know how to get home from here? She said, no, I don't. So he said, so you're lost then? She said, no, I'm not lost. You're with me. (laughs) I don't know what challenges you have been through or are going through at this present time. Challenges that 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 feel to you to threaten your relationship with God. How can God love me if he allows this to happen to me? Or sometimes even worse, to happen to this person who I love so much. And I can't explain much of that to you at all. It's a mystery. One of life's, one of the Christian life's biggest mysteries are the, the, the sad and difficult experiences that those who know, who believe that God loves them, yet God allows them to go through them. I cannot explain it to you. But I trust, and I, I, I hope that you trust too, in the word of God, where God pledges himself time and time again, over and over again, by saying there is a reason which you cannot understand now. One day perhaps we will understand. But in the meantime, you can know that, I'm, that I love you and you can know that, I, uh, that, that, that I'm with you. And that is enough. We are not lost as God's people because he is with us. Fourthly, fourth segment, God is with us forever. Jumping now to the last but one chapter in the entire Bible, we read of... uh, Read these great words. Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. 
They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. What do you most long for in heaven? A rest? I wouldn't be surprised. (laughs) But surely there is that glimmer in our hearts, if you belong to Christ, that knows that best of all is to be with God. And Revelation doesn't go very far at all in these chapters from linking God the Father with God the Son, the Lamb, And for us to have that glimmer of realisation, that is best of all. Oh, think, to step on shore, and that shore, heaven. To take hold of a hand, and that God's hand. To wake up and find it glory. And if we have such longing to see God face to face in the hereafter. Should we not long to know him deeper and better and to make him known now? Because God is with us now as well as forever. That forever begins now. Now you may have thought I've I've come to the the end of my list. Number four, forever revelation. I have one more item in my list of God with us, and it's this. God is with us as we go. I turn to the end of Matthew's gospel, and it's as though Matthew, from beginning to end, wants to wrap up his gospel in that sense of God with us. The prophecy from Isaiah, Emmanuel, God with us, comes in chapter 1, And now Jesus promises the end of chapter 28, the end of Matthew's gospel, I am with you. And the sense here, I'm told, is that as you go, I am with you. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, and that includes this nation. (laughs) And as you go... I am with you. So we don't wait, sit and wait and think, well, I'll go when Christ is with me. Christ says, I am with you as you go. What kind of vessel do you picture this church as? What kind of sailing ship do you think Richard and others has as they envision God's will for this church going forward? Is it as a cruise liner, where Holy Trinity offers luxury goods and services for its consumers as they attend Sunday by Sunday? Or is our vision more of Holy Trinity as an aircraft carrier, equipping planes to engage in the battle elsewhere I wouldn't ask you which you prefer I'd like to ask you which you think God is calling us to God is with us as we go with the message of Christ you can just help me again please Barry thank you
So the message is Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. May I ask you, without offending you unduly, why you've come to church this morning? Have you come because it's your habit? I always come to church on a Sunday morning. That's great. Have you come because, well, it's Christmas. It feels Christmassy to be in church around Christmas time and to sing these wonderful Christmas carols. That's great. Have you come to church to meet with your friends? That's good too. But is there, again, an element deep in your soul (laughs) where you have come to church because you want to meet with God? You want to know the reality of God with us. Well, let me turn that round a little bit and ask again what kind of church we want to be this Christmas and in the coming year. I just want to draw, as I close, on some words from, of all people, the prophet Zechariah in chapter 8. And he draws this picture of the people of God being so full of God that each of them has ten others from all nations grabbing onto their robes and saying, let's go with you because we have heard that God is with you. Can that be said of us? Can it be said of you that you're here because you want to know God for the first time and can it be said of us who say that yes we do know God that we want to be so full of the presence of God that others will find that the biggest attraction let us go with you because we have heard that God is with you If God is speaking to you this morning, then please don't just listen to his words, his promptings of the Holy Spirit, and then just leave it. Think, pray, mention it to somebody nearby, (laughs) talk to Richard or myself or one of the others. Think about attending the Discover course uh, beginning in, in February. But don't let that prompting pass you by. And God says, I am with you. Don't then turn him away. I've said nothing really about the original context and what King Ahaz did with this promise. He didn't want to know that God was with him. He had other plans. Do you want to know that God is with you? Then turn to him now and receive his blessing and his grace, his son. Let us pray. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are Emmanuel, God, with us. I pray now that by your spirit, we would know and feel you to be among us. I pray that those who have come along and are welcomed in our midst this morning, who perhaps have not turned towards you uh, and turned to you uh, yet, might feel prompted by you and by your message, and by your grace, and by your love, to do so right now, and to let it be known to others that they have made 
that move. And for the rest of us, may we be so full of your presence as to become a place that is known that God is with us. Amen.